All right, open your Bible this morning to the book of Jonah. Uh, we are continuing our series called When Life Seems Unlivable. Uh, we're looking at five different people in the Bible that basically told God we want to die. Either God, you kill us, we're going to kill ourselves. We don't want to live anymore. We want to die. And uh, we're trying to figure out what was it that caused this in each of their lives. And then what was the cure? Because in all five of these people's lives... Nobody ever died. I mean, they all wanted to, but none of them ever did. So something happened that fixed the problem. And so we want to find out what that is. And as we go through these five people, we have seen that there are different things in our lives that can make life very, very, very difficult. And sometimes even bring us to the place where, in our mind, we actually think life is unlivable. I can't go on. And so I hope it's not only been helpful to you, but when you have friends and acquaintances that get to this place, that some of this information we're learning you can use to help them. It's kind of like Dr. Carney talked about this morning. You know, we, we want to be a, a conduit through which God can take and use the information we get to help other people. And uh, so I hope that these lessons will do that for you. Today we're going to talk about Jonah. And Jonah came to the place, as you'll see in a minute, where life was unlivable for him. He even said, I want to die. As a matter of fact, he basically said it three times and insinuated that he wanted to once. And we're going to look at it. But the reason that Jonah wanted to die was because he was bitter and he was angry. And all of us probably at some time in our life are going to face a period of time where we either become bitter about a situation, a circumstance, a person in our life, how we've been treated, which will probably lead to some form of anger. And we don't have time to go through um, a complete study of anger and bitterness. Uh, in our series, Battling with Our Emotions, we actually did a whole lesson. Matter of fact, we did two or three of them on anger. Uh, and so if you go back to that series, we go into more detail about anger what it is, what sinless anger is. When the Bible says be angry and sin not, we talk about what that is. We talk about how to handle anger so that anger doesn't master us and like in the case of Jonah, uh, possibly destroy our life. And so Jonah was a, a guy who said, I don't want to live anymore. Life is unlivable because of my bitterness and my anger. So let's look at that, see what caused it, and see what God says the cure is. All right, Jonah chapter 1 Verse number one, um, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Nothing earth-shattering. God comes to Jonah, as you'll see in a minute. There was a reason Jonah was a prophet. I mean, this was his vocation. This is what he did. So it's not like God just found Jonah out in the middle of nowhere and said, You know, I want you to come and deliver one special message for me. Jonah was a prophet, and I'll give you some verses in a minute. That show that. So what Jonah's being asked to do, based upon his profession as a prophet, was not unusual. However, there were some parts of this command that were different for Jonah than any other prophet that was Jonah's contemporary at this time. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But I want you to see what Jonah says. Look at chapter 1 and verse 12. He's in the boat. They're out on the lake. The storm has come up. They're about to drown. And uh, the men 
cast lots. They find out Jonah's the reason why they're in this mess. So here's what Jonah says in verse 12. Pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now, this is the place in the story of Jonah where Jonah didn't verbally say, I want to die, but he insinuates it. I mean, common sense says, if you pick me up and you throw me into this raging storm in the middle of this deep lake, I'm probably not going to make it back to shore. I'm going to drown. So Jonah didn't say, I want to die But basically in his mind, he'd already resigned to the fact that I just need to die. Interesting enough that Jonah would rather die than correct his problem. Why not just correct your problem? And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. Now look over at chapter 4 where Jonah again talks about wanting to die. Look at verse number 3. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. It's better for me to die than to live. Here is a man who thinks that life is unlivable and actually says, in my own mind, it is better for me to die than to go on living. What a horrible place to be. At a place where life is not livable. By the way, he doesn't stop there. Turn with me, same chapter, chapter 4, look at verse 8. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Now this is the third time in this little short book of only four chapters, and the chapters aren't very long at that, that this guy has either insinuated I want to die by saying throw me in the water, or he's point blank said it's better for me to live than to die. This is the second time he's verbally said it. And then look what God says in verse 9. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? Notice what Jonah says. I do, he said. And here's the key to the, to the point we're going to look at. I am angry enough to die. Why did Jonah want to die? Because of his anger. I am angry enough to die. Jonah's bitterness and Jonah's anger had caused his life to be so horrible that he thought it was better to die than to go on living with this bitterness and this anger. Let's have a prayer and we're going to talk about it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us principles that guide and help us through the wars and the battles and the challenges that we face in this life. We know that bitterness and anger are something that we all will probably be confronted with. But thankfully, you've given us in your word direction and instruction for how to handle that so that it does not destroy our life. 
And so, Lord, in these next few short minutes, teach us some principles from your word that will help us and help us to be able to help others when they or us are become overwhelmed by anger and bitterness. Thank you for loving us and for caring for us. Speak to our hearts now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's look at several things today. First of all, the cause of his anger and bitterness. As we begin to look at the cause of this, first of all, I want to make sure we understand what bitterness and anger are. Um, The word bitterness, if you look it up in Webster's Dictionary, it basically is defined with words like this. Angry, unhappy, feeling of hatred or anger. That is bitterness. So what is anger then? Basically, bitterness is the inner attitude. Anger is the outward action. That's basically what it is. Our anger, a lot of times, is produced by our bitterness. Now, we don't, again, have time to go back and talk about righteous anger, where the Bible says, be angry and sin not. That type of anger is not necessarily caused by bitterness. A lot of times, that is actually caused by my righteous heart and soul that wants people to do right. I'm angry at those who are doing wrong because of what it's going to do to them or what it is doing, like Ed talked about this morning, what it's doing to those I love. So there is a righteous anger, and we don't have time to talk about that. But this anger that, by the way, is talked about in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, where the Bible says we're to do everything to live at peace with others so that no root of bitterness springs up inside of us and begins to grow. This is where the Bible indicates that this bitterness is the inner attitude that crops up and begins to fester, that eventually creates an outward action, which we describe as anger. Okay? By the way, in that passage in Hebrews 12 and verse 15, what does the Bible say about bitterness if we allow it to stay there and grow? Who does it hurt? It hurts us. And does it hurt people around us? Sure. This root of bitterness, the writer of Hebrews says, will spring up and not only hurt us, but will defile many, all those we touch. Okay? One commentator described the bitterness that is talked about in Hebrews chapter 12 as like a cancer that begins to grow inside of our heart. And as it spreads through our life, it begins to infect every aspect of our life. Our actions, our attitudes, our words, our thoughts, our demeanor when we're around people, our approach to life. It's like a cancer. So that when we feel that bitterness starting to grow inside, we've got to, like Barney Fife used to say, nip it in the bud. We've got to deal with it quick and get it out because if we don't, that cancer begins to grow and to spread. One of the things that um, my doctor told me about a month ago when I went for my uh, physical was that um, I had to get a colonoscopy because I'm 52 years old and you're supposed to start getting those things when you're 50 years old because colon cancer is one of the top three or five killers uh, of, of men and women today. However, it is one of the most curable if you catch it in time because it doesn't have a chance to grow. Well, bitterness is like that. And every now and then, we probably all need a good spiritual 
colonoscopy to make sure there's no polyps of bitterness around inside of us. Now, I'll let you imagine how that might take place. I'm not going there. But the idea is the same, okay? So, let's, let's move to Jonah now, that we kind of understand what that is. And uh, what was the cause of his anger and his bitterness? I want you to notice a couple of things. Number one, God's command. In verse number one of chapter one, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God's command involved a couple of things that was a little bit unique to Jonah versus the other prophets. Uh, let me show you this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, go to the great city of Nineveh. Here's unique thing number one. Nineveh was not a Jewish city. Nineveh was not a place where Jonah was going to speak to his own people like all the other prophets did. He was going to talk to people that the Jews didn't like. We'll talk more about that, by the way, in just a second, okay? Second of all, the Bible says, and I want you to preach against it. This wasn't an encouraging message. This wasn't Jonah showing up at Nineveh and saying, you wonderful Ninevites, I just want you to know how much God loves you. And God wants to bless you. And that you're doing such a good job living for God in the midst of this wicked world in which we live. It wasn't that kind of message. Basically, God says, I want you to go to these people that you don't like, and I want you to tell them how wicked they are and what I'm about to do to them. He says, I want you to go, I want you to preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Basically, here was Jonah's job. He was going to go to a bunch of Gentiles who he didn't like them, they didn't like him. It was one of the largest cities of the day. It was actually the center of, um, of uh, the Middle Eastern control at that time. Babylon and Nineveh uh, became kind of a, a center of where all the... Gentile and anti-Jewish people worked from. So it wasn't a little bitty country town. It was a huge center for all these people. And so he was to go into this city. I don't like you. You don't like me. But I'm here to tell you, you're a bunch of wicked, rotten people. And God says he's about to whack every one of you. I mean, he wasn't exactly going to be politically correct. So there are some things about what God told Jonah to do that are a little bit different than the other prophets. For example, Isaiah and Jeremiah, they went to their own people and said, you're wicked. And God is going to have to punish you. But after that punishment, God's going to bring us back to the land. So even though, number one, they knew who they were talking to. I'm in this with you. We're all the same people here. Number two, we have done wrong. But God's got an answer for us. Well, if you look at what God told Jonah to do, none of that was in the command from God. So Jonah was a little bit kind of off over here by himself when God told him to do this. Now, the second thing I want you to see that caused this anger and bitterness with Jonah is his response. I want you to notice what he did. And by the way, whenever you and I become angry and bitter in our lives, we, in some form, do all of these things, too. So let me show you what they are. Number one, um, Jonah responded to the people of Nineveh because he didn't like the people of Nineveh. And I've already mentioned to you that 
Jonah was going to these people, and, and he was uh, not friendly with them. Genesis chapter 10. I'll give you this ver- these verses. You can look them up later. Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 through 12, talks about a guy named Nimrod. Nimrod wasn't a friend of the Jews. Nimrod, the Bible says, rebuilt Babylon. By the way, God had said when Babylon was destroyed, don't build it back and don't build back Nineveh. Don't build it back. The next verse, verse 9, not only did Nimrod rebuild Babylon, he also rebuilt Nineveh. He was told not to, but he did it anyway. Why? Because Babylon and Nineveh and that area where the Armenians kind of based their center of rule from, it was not Jewish friendly. I mean, where did the Jews spend 70 years in captivity? Babylon. Where did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into a fiery furnace? Babylon. Where did Daniel go into a lion's den? Babylon. I mean, these weren't people that liked the Jews. So Jonah is a little bit perturbed that he's got to go to talk to these people. By the way, when God said, I want you to go tell them they're wicked and that I'm going to judge them, Jonah probably thought, at first, oh, good, they deserve it. Well, if that's really what Jonah thought was going to happen, then why did he get so angry? Why was he so bitter? Why did he run instead of just going there and telling them? I mean, I can just imagine if you don't like these people and God says, I want you to go prophesy and tell these people you're wicked. God knows it and he's going to destroy you. Hot diggity dog. I can't wait to get there. Hey, guess what God's going to do to you? Nah, 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 nah. He's going to wipe all of you out. So we win. Jonah didn't do anything like that. I mean, there was no excitement. There was no enthusiasm at all when God said, go talk to them. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he ran the other way. What's going on? You're going to find out in just a minute. So first of all, Jonah's response was based upon the people of Nineveh. Next, I want you to see his response was based upon the person of Jonah, who he was. Well, who was he? He was a guy who knew God and knew what God was like. That's why he responded the way he did. Let me give you a few things. First of all, he knew God. Chapter 4, verse 1. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. By the way, what has already happened? He went, he preached, and what did the people of Nineveh do? They repented. And what did God do? He forgave them. He withdrew the punishment. Chapter 4, verse 1, immediately after that happened, the Bible says, Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry, and he prayed to the Lord. O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? What's he talking about? When God evidently told him to go and preach to these people because he knew God and he knew what God was like, He knew that if these people repented, God would forgive them. Even though they were the enemies of the Jews. And that's what he says. Look at the rest of the verse. Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. This is why he ran. 
because he knew what God was like. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, God, take away my life. It's better for me to die than to live. You know why? Because not only did you send me to these people that I hate and they hate me, but I told them you were going to destroy them. They repented. You forgave them. And now what I told them didn't come true. You made me look bad in front of all these people. The problem was this wasn't about Jonah. This was about those people. We'll see that in just a second. So, first of all, Jonah's anger and bitterness was caused because of what God told him to do and because of who Jonah was. He knew these people and he knew God. Let me give you some other verses about Jonah. In 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25, the Bible talks about Jonah, the son of Amittai, who gave a prophecy to Jeroboam II. So he was a contemporary of Jeroboam and was a prophet who had prophesied prior to this. So, like I said, this is not some guy off in, a, in the wilderness somewhere that God just went and grabbed and said, I got one message for you, that's it. No, he's been doing this. So he knows God. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 41, Jesus references Jonah the prophet as he talks about the end of the world. So Jonah was a man who knew God. He was a preacher. He not only knew what God was like, but he knew what God would do if these people just listened. That's why, according to chapter 4, he ran. He didn't want these people to be forgiven. He wanted them to be whacked. Okay? Now, the other reason that Jonah was angry and bitter Hard to imagine this, but it's true. It's because of the patience and love of God. Why in the world would a human being get mad and angry and bitter? Because God was patient and loving to somebody. For the very same reason that Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. Because as a believer, there's somebody I don't like. I'm bitter towards them. I'm angry towards them. I want them to suffer. If God would let me, I'd be glad to give them the suffering. I don't like them. I hate them. I want them to die. I want them out of my life. Do we ever think thoughts like that about other people? Yeah, we probably do. Because we're human. If you haven't been treated bad, you will be. By somebody. We all are. We all are. Sometimes it's by people that are very close to us. Maybe a best friend. Maybe a very close relative. It happens. It happened to Jonah. Jonah didn't like these people. And the patience and love of God towards these people he didn't like made him angry. He didn't want God to help them. He wanted God to destroy them. That is what bitterness and anger can do. 
even to a Christian. You know, if, if you're like me, it's hard for me to fathom that a true believer in Jesus Christ could ever hate anyone that bad. But sometimes it happens. Now, hopefully, like we talked about, our spiritual colonoscopy, if we search our hearts and catch that attitude before it goes too far and we get rid of it and we ask God to help us with it, then no harm, no foul. Jesus was tempted like we were, but without sin. We're going to be tempted with those attitudes that hit us from time to time. It is not necessarily wrong for that anger or bitterness to swell up inside of us. What is wrong is for us to feed it and let it stay there. Once it gets there, that's the temptation. Now we've got to deal with it and get rid of it. So, let's look and find out what happened with Jonah. So, his anger and his bitterness are caused because of his command, because of these people, because of the person he was and what he knew God would do if these people listened. And, and basically it was caused because God was kind to these people and he didn't want them to be. Second of all, I want you to notice the course that he took. We don't spend a lot of time on it, but I want to give you these three things. Number one, he ignored what God said. In verse one, God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach this message, and he just ignored it. By the way, Tarshish, if you look on a map, is in the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. I mean, 180 degrees in the other direction. Not, not even close. It's not like he kind of went around it. I mean, he turned and went in the other direction. Number two, he not only ignored what God said, he refused to go where God wanted him to go. God said Nineveh, he went to Tarsus. Now, where am I going with all this? Sometimes God asks us to do things and to go places that maybe at first we don't really want to go. And maybe it's things we don't really want to do. But if God's asking us to do it, then there's a good reason. And whatever it is, it's going to benefit us. But notice the third thing, and this is kind of the crux of what we're kind of getting at today. He didn't want to interact with the people God wanted him to interact with because he didn't like them. God, I'll tell anybody in the world about Jesus except don't make me go talk to them. By the way, you know what's so ironic? Normally it's those people that God tells us to go see first. Remember what Jesus said about when we come to the altar with our gift? And he said, if you've got something between you and another brother, what are we supposed to do? Stay at the altar and offer our gift and ask God to bless it? He said, no, you leave your gift there because as you are, it's no good. You go to the person that you have a problem with and make that right. And according to Romans 12, as much as you can do. Some people just won't make it right. But I can't control them. I can only control me. Then you come back and offer your gift. God's teaching us the importance of relationships and people. For God so loved the world, not a globe or a tree or a flower. He loved the human race, people. God's all about people. And that's what we're about. So... He ignored what God said, he refused to go where God wanted him to go, and he refused to interact with the people God wanted him to interact with. We don't want to go down that path. And the, the, the easiest way to keep from ever having to face those difficulties is just make sure that we, to the best of our ability, stay in a right relationship with other people. Don't burn bridges 
Don't create gaps and walls between us and other people because those may be the very people God needs us to reach. And if you'll read Romans 12, verses 9 through 21, and I've told you this before, that's a great primer on how to treat people, on how to stay away from burning bridges and building walls. And, and so we don't have time to go through that. But Romans 12 is a great, great chapter to teach you how to do that. Okay? Now, what was the cure? I want you to see why Jonah didn't die. I mean, he, he got thrown overboard. He asked to die three times. I mean, it, I would have thought the dude would have died before we got done with his book. I mean, it was obvious he really wanted to go there. But he didn't. He didn't die. Why? What happened? Okay, here's the cure. Number one. God intervened in his grace. Now, I want you to see this because this is interesting. I want you to look at chapter 1 and verse number 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Where did the storm come from? Who sent it? God did. God did. Mother Nature. That wasn't Mother Nature. It was God. It wasn't God's mother. It was God. The Lord sent the wind that caused the storm. Now, what was he doing? Ah, he's mad at Jonah because Jonah wouldn't do what he said. So he's going to kill Jonah in this storm. Now, that's not why he did it. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Look at um, chapter 1, verse number 7. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. The book of Proverbs tells us that man can throw the lots, but the result is in whose hands? God's. Now, think with me here. These guys are casting lots. These little pieces of actually stone that they would throw, and it would help them understand God's direction. And God would control it. Was it just by chance that all the people on that boat, it happened to point to Jonah? Of course not. Who did that? God. God did. Well, because it pointed to Jonah, what did these people do? They went and got Jonah. Where was he, by the way? He was down in the bottom of the ship, asleep. He thought everything was okay. I ignored God. I ran from God. I don't want to go to those people God wants me to go to. I have done it. I got away from God. I'm in the boat. Everything's okay. At least I don't have to go to Nineveh. Everything's cool. He's down in the boat sleeping. They go down and get him. He comes up. What if this had been you on that boat and the lot had fell on you instead of Jonah? And they came down and got you and pulled you up on deck and say, Hey, we did all this. We cast lots. And the lot says, you're the reason we got this storm. We're about to die. What have you done? But it wasn't. It was Jonah. They pulled Jonah up there. Jonah, calm as he can be, gets up on there. And I want you to look at verse number, um, verse number 12. Pick me up, throw me into the sea, and it'll become calm because I know it's my fault. I mean, it's not like the dude's even worried. Just, you know, I've done it. I got caught. I can't get out. Here's the big thing. Jonah thinks God is never going to let me out of this. I might as well just die. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you felt like you were so far away from God 
that God would never, ever take you back again? Well, that's where Jonah was. But look at all God is doing because he wants Jonah back. And you know all that stuff when we're away from God that God allows to happen in our life? It's not because he's mad. It's not because he's angry. It's because he wants me back. And he's doing all this to help me get back. Now look at verse 17 of chapter 1. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Where did the fish come from? God. By the way, did God provide that fish to kill Jonah? No. He provided the fish to save him. Because what would have happened to Jonah had he been thrown in that wild sea with no fish to grab him? He'd have drowned. And by the way, could God have used the fish to kill him? Sure. I'm sure one chomp with those jaws on Jonah's midsection and we would have had jaws all over again. Floating carcasses in the sea. No Jonah. God didn't do that. You stop and think about everything that had to happen just right for Jonah not to die in that incident. They threw him over. That fish had to just be coming by that spot at that time. When Jonah fell in, the fish swallowed him. He had to swallow him whole and not bite. And somehow, miraculously, there was enough oxygen in the belly of that fish to keep Jonah alive for three days. That is not a coincidence. And it's not chance. And the Bible tells us, that's God. Look at all God did because he wanted Jonah back. Let me tell you this. It doesn't matter what you ever do or whatever happens in your life. God will do everything in his power to help you come back. He doesn't want to lose you or me. He wants us all. Then I want you to look at chapter 3 and verse 1. God intervened. God, by the way, involved those that were around Jonah, the people on the boat. And then God forgave him and gave him a second chance. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. You know what? That may be one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. God gave him a second chance. I can't tell you how many chances I had. I know that God is not just the God of the second chance. He's the God of about the 450th chance in my life. I mean, all the things I did, all the times I should have died, the the situations I got myself into when no normal human being would have ever made out of that alive, and here I am. And then even after all that, the bonehead things I do sometimes that I know God doesn't like, and like an idiot, I do them anyway. But he still keeps forgiving me. He still keeps giving me chances because he loves me. He wants me. That's what he did with Jonah. By the way, notice, nothing changed. He gave him a second chance, and then he told him to do the exact same thing he told him to do the first time. This time, Jonah obeyed. The Bible says that Jonah obeyed. He listened to God. He obeyed. And here's the big thing. We're going to stop with this. God's purpose ultimately prevailed. If you know the story of Jonah, when you come to the end of the book, the last chapter, Jonah never really acts like he likes it. Does he? Jonah did listen to God the second time, didn't he? He went to Nineveh. 
He told them what God said, 40 days. Nineveh will be overthrown. You can read it in chapter 3. They repent. God withdraws the punishment. And what does Jonah do? He gets mad. I can't believe you did it. Well, on second thought, I can. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. God, I knew you were going to do this. Because I know what kind of God you are. You're loving. You're patient. You're kind. He listed all those things in those three verses. If you want to know what God's like, just read Jonah's description. He gives it to you. He's loving. He's slow to anger. He's patient. He's compassionate. He is forgiving. And by the way, Jonah, have you forgotten? Because he's like that, you didn't die in the ocean. You didn't die in the belly of the fish. And you're still not dead, even though you asked God to kill you three times. Because God is all those things. And here's the thing I want us to say, and then i got to stop. God's purpose ultimately prevailed. Because it wasn't about Jonah. Jonah, according to what we read, never agreed. Remember, the gourd came up and died. Jonah said, I'm angry enough to die. I'm still mad. And God twice said, Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? Basically, Jonah, is this about you or is this about me? Jonah, is this about you and what you want? Or is this about God and God's purpose for the people of Nineveh? And by the way, he talks about 120,000 people in the city of Nineveh that he says, his description is, they don't know their right hand from their left, meaning they were children. Had I destroyed that city, 120,000 innocent children would have died. Jonah, is that what you want? Do you hate them that much that you want innocent children to die? And ultimately, even though Jonah didn't agree, God still used Jonah to accomplish his purpose. And whether Jonah liked it or not, God's purpose still prevailed. And you know, in our lives, when anger and bitterness starts to creep in, and, and it will, I mean, it will, we're human, and sometimes it gets that way, remember, anger and bitterness is never going to help us. God's purpose is still going to be done whether we like it or not. If we do what God says, God using us to fulfill that purpose is a whole lot better. If we don't do what God says, God's still going to get the purpose done. We just may not enjoy the process as much. So we're much better off if we just let God handle people and we just do what God tells us to do. So here's the challenge. Life can become unlivable if we allow bitterness and anger to get too big inside of us. If we have any of that, go home today and ask God to perform that spiritual colonoscopy. Find out where it is and say, God, cut that polyp out of my life and help me. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but God can do anything. Ask God to help us love others like he loves them. And life is a whole lot better, okay? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that even though we become angry and bitter sometimes, that you're still loving and patient, you're compassionate, you're slow to anger. And Lord, thank you for being the God of the second chance. Lord, help us to realize 
Life is livable. And you can take care of all those things. Lord, we love you. Give us a good week. Help us, Lord, to do what's right. Give us wisdom to make good decisions. In Jesus' name.